Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Monday. It's the 30th of January. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Police are refusing to release body camera video of three Des Moines officers fatally shooting a 16-year-old boy after he pointed a gun at them last month. They say it's because state law prevents releasing the footage showing a minor committing a delinquent act before any charges are filed. The police department was preparing to release video from all four officers involved in the December confrontation before the city's legal department intervened. A Des Moines police spokesman says the state law still applies even though the boy was killed and won't be charged. Iowa's attorney general already ruled that the officers were legally justified in the shooting. Former state Senator Rita Hart is the new chair of the Iowa Democratic Party. The party's state central committee elected Hart on Saturday. Hart is a farmer and former teacher who lives near the small eastern Iowa town of Wheatland. She told voting members before the vote that her focus is squarely on helping the party begin winning elections again. This last year I became Clinton County chair, where I've seen at a grassroots level the kind of support that our county parties need in order to work more effectively. I'm under no illusions that this will be easy, and I know that it will take time. Iowa Democrats have had a long run of losses over the last decade, most recently in November, when Republicans gained a supermajority in the state Senate, took out Iowa's longtime attorney general and state treasurer, and blocked Democrats from having any members of Congress. Hart takes over as chair from Ross Wilburn, who announced last month he would not run for the seat again. This year, a USDA-funded program will invest millions of dollars to build out a network of farmers to get their products to food-insecure Iowans. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has the details. Two questions sit at the heart of a $2.7 million statewide effort coordinated by Iowa Valley Resource Conservation and Development. Giselle Bruskowitz directs the program. How do we get free food, high-quality free food, out to Iowans that need and want it who are experiencing food insecurity or can't get access? And on the other hand, how do we get fair prices to our local producers in the state? Iowa Valley is working with 17 food hubs, food banks, and groups like the Meskwaki Nation to build capacity in local food producers and opening their products up to underserved communities. Bruskowitz says building these networks takes funding, and as they court additional USDA dollars, she says she hopes local growers get more attention as a solution to hunger. Cancer is the second leading cause of death in Iowa. We hear from IPR's Natalie Krebs. A new five-year plan by the Iowa Cancer Consortium seeks to reduce cancer rates. The Iowa Cancer Registry projects that 22,000 Iowans will be diagnosed with cancer in 2023. The Iowa Cancer Consortium's comprehensive five-year cancer action plan covers 2023 to 2027. It looks at everything from health equity to cancer screenings to reduce cancer rates. Rachel Schramm is a project manager for for the statewide cancer coalition. She says the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted Iowa's cancer rates, in part because fewer people were getting screenings. There were disruptions in employment and health insurance, and also a lot of fear about COVID-19 exposure when we didn't know, you know, what was going to be happening. It was kind of easy to put off those screenings. She says the report urges people to make sure they and their loved ones are up to date on their cancer screenings. And new research suggests over a third of rural counties in the U.S. grew during the first year of the pandemic. 
More people moved into some rural counties, and the population grew slightly. Tom Miller is a rural sociologist and demographer at the University of Oklahoma. He says it's not likely this trend continues, and that recreational and retirement counties near cities were more likely to see population growth than remote farming counties. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Governor Kim Reynolds signed a bill into law last week that'll eventually offer taxpayer-funded accounts to all families who have kids in private schools. And lawmakers moved forward with proposals to restrict medical malpractice lawsuit payouts and to change who is eligible for public assistance. IPR state government reporter Katerina Sestarek is here to talk about all that. Good morning, Katerina. Good morning, Clay. So last week, the governor really wasted no time in getting her school voucher style plan through the House and the Senate and then signed into law. She dubs it a school choice bill. What's in it? Yeah, it did move very fast. Um, She signed her number one priority bill into law last Tuesday, just two weeks after introducing it. It'll start phasing in for the school year that begins this fall. And then in the fall of 2025, all families that send their kids to private school can get a taxpayer-funded account to pay private school tuition and other educational expenses. They'd get the same amount of money per year that the state spends on public school students, about $7,600 for next year. And nonpartisan analysts say it'll cost about $345 million per year when fully implemented. And that's in line with the governor's estimate that we saw earlier in the month. And we still don't know how much it'll cost to administer the program. The state is soliciting bids over the next few weeks from private companies that want to administer the education savings accounts. In this 23 legislative session, K-12 through education getting discussed right off the bat here. Uh, what other education issues are worth pointing out at this point in this session? Republican leaders say that they'll start discussing public school funding soon. That's usually one of the first bills passed of the session because they're supposed to get it done in the first 30 days so that schools can plan out their budgets. Democrats have been criticizing Republicans for putting private school funding first this year. Governor Reynolds is also expected to introduce a bill related to what she calls parents' rights and transparency in schools, and lawmakers will work on proposals for recruiting and retaining teachers in the state. Shifting to something else here, there's also a proposal that you've reported on last week that would change how public assistance would work in the state. What's advancing at this point? Republicans on a House panel advanced this bill last week that deals with who's eligible for food and medical assistance through SNAP and Medicaid. The bill was getting a lot of attention for its provision that would only allow SNAP participants to buy certain foods off a limited list, and that would exclude fresh meat. But the lawmakers running the bill said they're taking that out and only want to restrict purchases of candy and soda. That would require federal approval. Uh, The bill would also put limits on what assets Iowans could hold to qualify for SNAP, And it would request federal permission to require some Medicaid recipients to work 20 hours a week. Republicans have considered bills like this for several years in a row now. They're saying that they want to make sure taxpayer dollars are going to those who truly need the help. But these bills have never passed. And opponents say that the bill could lead to low-income Iowans losing the help that they do need. Another one of Reynolds' priorities is limits on payouts in medical malpractice lawsuits. You also reported on this last week. Uh, Where does that bill stand? 
Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee advanced it last week, and the House will be taking it up too, so it's already eligible for floor debate in the Senate. Um, This would limit non-economic damages and medical malpractice judgments to $1 million, so that's payouts that juries decide for things like pain and suffering. Um, There's a subcommittee hearing on this bill last week, and medical providers were just very adamant that these huge medical malpractice verdicts that are occasionally seen in Iowa and high insurance rates are driving the healthcare workforce shortage and are contributing to a lack of healthcare access in rural Iowa. Lawyers and some victims of medical malpractice are saying that this bill would deny justice in cases where Iowans are severely injured or killed by medical negligence. And some Republican opponents of the bill accused their colleagues of hypocrisy when they say they're pro-life, but then they're assigning a $1 million price tag to a person's life. Okay, it's a lot, but what else are you watching in the week ahead? I'm expecting to hear more about public school funding this week, and this is just the time of year when lawmakers hold dozens of hearings on different bills every day as they start moving through the process. All right. Thanks so much, Katerina. Thanks, Clay. Katerina Sestarek is IPR state government reporter, and we check in most Mondays when the Iowa legislature is in session to preview the week ahead. And you can always hear those updates on Monday mornings by listening to this podcast here first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters, and for news anytime on what's happening at the State House and across Iowa, go to IPR.org.